0: What's amazing about the Bible is that most times, the people chastised are usually the ones who profess to follow God. God wasn't pointing out the sins of Hollywood or their secular world. He used Jeremiah to call out the sins of the leaders. Wrapped up in their self-induced comfort of being God's chosen, they forgot what it was they were set apart to do in the first place. But even in the most corrupt apostasy in leadership, there will always be a hope and a call to reform. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation
1: for your heart. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Sabbath School U.
0: Hi everyone and welcome to Sabbath School U. Uh, Before we begin, why don't we start off by introducing ourselves and tell me where you're from. I know that can be a hard question, but... Where are you from? Where do you consider yourself to be from?
1: Uh, my name is Nye Reynolds, and I was born in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, but I kind of consider myself from Jersey since I lived there most of
2: my life. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, David, I'm from Silver Spring, Maryland. Uh, but my family was born in El Salvador, so I consider myself Salvadorian. Oh, okay. Do so you like pupusas? Most definitely. Good. All the time. <laughs>
3: Um, my name is Elena and I am originally Colombian and have lived in the United States for a long time Okay,
0: anywhere in specific in the US or just various places various places
3: all over the US yes
0: well I'm Kathy and I am also from Colombia and I too have lived in the US for a while so, awesome. So to start us off, Elena, do you mind reading our Bible verse for the day and maybe praying?
3: Definitely. In,
0: in your native tongue, whatever that
3: to is. <laughs> so uh, the Bible verse is found in Second Kings chapter 23, verse 25, and it says, Now before him there was no king like him, who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might, according to the law of Moses nor after him did any arise like him. Let's pray. Padre Celestial, gracias por este día, gracias por la oportunidad de estudiar tu palabra, y por todas las bendiciones que derramas sobre nosotros. Por favor, sigue bendiciéndonos, bendice este estudio, y a toda la gente que va a escuchar. En el nombre de Jesús, amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Amen um okay so this lesson i feel like is going to be kind of fun because it talks about reformation and i love when we can talk about something that has been going on that's really awful but god has a way of turning it around and i feel like that's what this whole lesson is just focusing on so let's just start off with the first question and it says what do we know about i'm gonna disclaimer i don't know how to say this properly but i'm gonna guess it's Ma- Manassar, ma- Manasseh, I'm going to say Manasseh. Um, so what do we know about Manasseh in uh, Second Chronicles
2: 33? Well, I think Second Chronicles 33 kind of really starts off strong, uh, just giving a very large generalization of him. Uh, in the first two verses, uh, it just says, uh, Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. But verse 2 says, he did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. So we kind of can tell, you know, he was a pretty significantly bad guy.
3: (laughs) I think it's important to note that he comes into reign as a 12-year-old. Yeah. When you're 12, you're about to be a teenager. You're about to be rebellious. Yeah. Um, and I don't think teenagers throughout centuries really have been that different. So I think it's important to keep in mind that you know he had lost a parent. I don't I don't know the backstory with his mom or his family or whatnot. So we don't really know what his growing up dynamics were. But he's coming into an age that's very fragile and very huge in decision making as to who he's going to become as yeah. a person and, and giving that
0: much power to a twelve year old. I mean, mind you, I I feel like back then you were always younger in growing up, if that makes any sense. Like, people, you know, got married younger. They did, uh, they were kings and priests earlier than today. But I still feel like that's pretty young in age. So let's focus a little bit more on his, his reign when he was actually in power, him being 12, and what happened that was so... Chaotic that was so bad.
1: Well you can see uh, the Bible says that uh, he built again the high place which Hezekiah his father had broken down and He reared up altars for Balaam right there. He's uh, putting idols mm-hmm. uh, throughout the country where Hezekiah had not done that, and he's going around basically tearing down every image of God and putting up all these ungodly images and all these idols. And and in Second uh, Chronicles 33, 6, it says, And he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Also, he observed times and used enchantments and used witchcraft and dealt with a, f- a familiar spirit and with the wizards. Mm. He wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. So he's doing basically anything and everything he can to provoke God's wrath. Mm-hmm.
0: So just everything in his power, he was trying to take control of it and just it be, just became a terrible disaster. Do you think it has to do with the fact that he was 12?
3: I think it has a lot to do with that. And again, we don't know what his dynamics were growing up. So yes, his dad was a Christian. Let's, let's say you know he believed in God and he wanted to glorify God, but it doesn't mean that he was perfect. So you don't know if he was being told something to believe without being explained why he should believe it. Um, you just, you don't know what was going on in the, in the family dynamic, and what you do see is that when he rebelled against his earthly father, he also rebelled against his heavenly father. So he tore down all the work that his dad had done to glorify God, he did away with to do something completely different, different yeah. and, and outright evil.
0: What I love about this lesson is that you see uh, Manassas was born into a pretty decent decent world um, and he made a mess out of it. And later on we're going to talk a little bit more about Josiah and the mess that he was born into but what it came out to be. So it's, I'm sorry I'm getting ahead of myself but it's really exciting. What does this chapter tell us about God's willingness to forgive? Because Mm. if we look at um, Manassas, I'm going to call him Manassas and just stick to it. (laughs) Um, When you look at Manassas, he, at the end, he turned around. It was too late for his kingdom, but he turned around. What does that tell us about God's forgiveness and how God responded to that?
2: I think it tells us that no matter what you do in your life, no matter how, far away you can be from God. God is always ready to forgive you and welcome you back. Um, because it, it basically didn't matter uh, all of the things that Manasseh did. The fact that he genuinely repented, he was able to free him from the captivity that he was in and allow him to you know continue doing what he was doing in his kingdom.
3: It shows us that through all time, God has been the same. That the the lessons that Jesus is trying to teach us through the story of the prodigal son, for example, has always been true, is true, and will always be true. Mm -hmm. You know, he's basically saying, no matter what you do, I love you so much as my creation that I will forgive you as long as you are repentant in your heart and genuinely do so. And, And sin no more, because we also see that Manasseh, you know, asked for forgiveness, and he was restored in his kingdom and whatnot, and he didn't sin anymore. The people around him did, but he himself as an individual had made this commitment to God and didn't continue to live the life that he did.
0: Well, that's a good point. Sorry to interrupt you, but that's a good point because... It's, forgiveness is kind of a tricky a, a tricky thing because well it's not tricky in the sense that God will forgive us if we genuinely ask him for forgiveness and we change our ways and decide to be more like him however that doesn't mean that the consequences of our sins are not going to be there and the consequences of all the bad choices that he made were still there um, there was like you said people around him still doing idolatry that's a really hard word to say or everything else that was going on around him was was still evil even though he had um tried to change his way what does that tell us uh, what does that tell us about our decisions can we apply that to our lives now
1: well i think it's a reminder that you know the bible says that god is love he is love and basically with that love you can do a lot of terrible things not that you should but god is willing to come back and say okay if you are genuine in your repentance i will forgive you and it'll act like none of this ever happened And in our own daily lives, I mean, not all of us sin to the same degree as other people to sin. But the Bible says that, you know, no sin is greater than another. However, as you see with Manasseh, the consequences of your sins can be greater than another person's sins. So you have the sin that's going to keep you out of heaven. But those consequences may not always be the same for you as it may be for somebody else.
0: Yeah. Well, if you look at. Can you imagine what it would be like to be in his circumstance, like yeah, having done all this and then turning around and asking God for forgiveness and having God forgive you, but if all this is going on around you still? How would how would that make you feel? Horrible. Terrible, because <laughs> yeah. you're like, oh man, I caused that. I don't know. It, it that leads to our next question. Um, From examples in the Bible, what do you learn about keeping faith alive in the middle of what seems total apostasy? Um, How have you seen this in your life? Let's get up close and personal.
3: Well, I think one of the first examples we see is Moses. So, you know, Moses has a turbulent journey himself before he becomes the leader that God wants him to be. And then once he is that leader for the people of God, he keeps like having to battle with their old ways that, you know, they picked up in Egypt and whatnot. And I guess the weakness of the flesh, he keeps having to bring them back to God. Remember that he brought you out of Egypt. Remember Mm -hmm. that he's going to take you to this promised land. And yet they build altars to Idols and all and all these sorts of things and yet Moses keeps going, you know He's with them for 40 years in the desert or I can't remember exactly how many years Let me be real, but somewhere in there a long time And he keeps his faith alive and he keeps and he does that through direct relationship with God
0: I mean, yeah, and I feel like the way we can apply that to our lives is there is so so many bad things going on around us so so much apostasy I don't think I'm using that right but the point is if these people could keep their faith alive in the middle of what they were going to if going through sorry and Manasseh in the middle of knowing that he was the one that caused this I would have been like oh I I can't I was the one that caused these people to sin I'm not gonna stand here and pretend I'm better than them you know like and that's just my human way of thinking, but it kind of tells us that we could if they could do it, why can't we? Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Our next question says, what? Um, okay, so now we're going because this next question talks about Josiah. so I want to talk about a little bit about Amon, I think that's how you say his name, which was Manasseh's son, um, who also didn't do a very good job, like even after seeing his dad uh repent and change he came into leadership and still had a mess going on mm-hmm. and then came josiah and what was different what was remarkable about his leadership and how can we relate that to being leaders today um and what's going on in our world
1: well i think it's interesting the contrast between manasseh Amon and uh josiah because manasseh you have he starts out and he's 12 years old, he's very evil, he's doing a whole bunch of wicked very things. Sorry, and, <laughs> well, I mean, he, he has witchcraft going on, he has wizards yeah. going on, and, uh, and, yeah, it, and from the context of the verse, it sounds like he may have even been sacrificing his children, in Second Chronicles 33, 8, it says, and he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I guess he realizes that. <laughs> and so he, he is he, evil. he's doing evil things, and he comes back and he repents, but it doesn't seem like his repentance... Goes through to the kingdom, and it doesn't mm-hmm. translate down, and so the people may not be you know converting where he has converted and then when he passes, his son comes in and he's completely evil as well i mean he's so evil that his the people closest to him conspired to kill him and killed him killed him and um and then they decide hey let's grab Josiah he's eight years old let's put him on the throne <laughs> and and you have Manasseh, who's twelve who comes into his uh comes into rulership and does a whole bunch of evil things. Then you have Josiah who comes in at 8, and he's com- completely opposite of Manasseh. He decides, we're going to follow God. And with his decision, he's actually able to push it through the kingdom, whereas Manasseh, does not it doesn't appear that he was able to. So instead of just the leader saying, I'm going to convert and follow God, and the kingdom's like, oh, you do what you want to do, Josiah's actually going, we're going to convert. And he gets buy-in from the entire country, and he, uh, he's able to push his agenda through.
0: So maybe, we were talking a little bit earlier about age, maybe age isn't necessarily, I mean, it it is important to a certain extent, but this guy was eight, and he still was able to, you know, push in what God wanted for the kingdom. Um,
3: I think we have to remember that he was eight, and he probably was still very moldable. So maybe at eight years old, he had some sort of influence in his life that was showing him a different way.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. Um, Maybe Mm -hmm. through
3: his mother. Um, I don't know.
0: So I guess at 12, you are a little bit more...
3: Set in your ways. It's true. I had a teacher once in college say that she fervently believed, according to studies that she had read and to her experience with college students, that people after the age of nine years old don't really change much in the way that they see the world, in their philosophy of that, how the world works and should work. So after like a certain age, it's very difficult to keep molding your mind. But before that, if you have the you know correct influences in your life, that could happen.
0: Do we know for how long Josiah reigned? No? I can't I think, remember. Uh, I think
2: it was about 38 years 38. that he reigned. So over.
0: even after that, he was able to, after being molded to use what um, Elena's term was uh, even after being molded he kept he kept strong in what he believed that God wanted for for them um, how does this relate to today because I feel like we were placed into the, in, into the world in the middle of chaos not saying that we were born and there was like <laughs> things falling on around us but like we were in we came into this world full of sin full of um, Man, I, I look at I look at kids today compared to just a few years ago when I was a kid, and I'm like, how how will I ever have kids and raise them up in this world filled with so many things that it's okay to do? It's literally okay. Some sins that were like, man, in my time that wasn't that wasn't something, and my time wasn't too long ago. But I look at kids today, and they're like there's like 15-year-olds that look older than me. And I'm like, I don't understand. <laughs> How can we be Josiah in our, in our society today?
2: Well, I think the, the important thing to note is that in our time today, we have a lot of people that they emerge out of adversity. Uh, Josiah was basically, had the expectation that he was probably going to do better but I think there was a slight chance that people thought he was gonna fail, just like his father and his grandfather before him. Um, I think for, for us, it's it's important to note that, regardless of whatever history somebody has, they're able to do amazing things in the world. Like, there, there are a lot of, uh, people that, that we can mention. None come to mind. That. <laughs> but <laughs> there are so many people that come out of absolutely terrible environments, you know, parents that were not good to them at all, but they became great influences mm-hmm. to the world. So I think that's that's how it relates to us.
3: I think if we look at um, Second Chronicles oh, where is it? I just lost it. Oh, Second Chronicles 34 verses 2 and 3 we're going to see that he was in the, you know, when we spoke about uh, Manasseh and in, in Ammon or Amon, I'm not quite sure, it doesn't really give us like a backstory, but here we get, um, and he did which, that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David, his it's father. Mm-hmm. And then it says that again, like in verse three. So there was, there was something in his history and his teaching that was reminding him that his forefather David was a man of God Mm -hmm. and that because that man was his forefather and was a man of God he should be the same Mm -hmm. and he should seek that out so I think us today yes the world is full of sin yes there's all this craziness going around but we need to go back into the Bible and remember there are these men and women of God that we've seen come out of like crazy situations and still follow the Lord. Like even David, he wasn't perfect, but he was also said to be a man after God's own heart. Um, so I think we have these examples of imperfect people seeking God, mm-hmm. and we can do the same.
1: Yeah, I think that's interesting in 2 Kings 20 25, which is the memory verse, it says, Now before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might according to the law of Moses, nor after him did any arise like him. And you were mentioning, you know, how he was. Um, being mentioned as, there have David being mentioned as his father. Mm-hmm. And this verse, it makes it sound like Josiah was doing even better than what David does. Mm-hmm. And we consider David to be, you know, a man after yeah. God's own heart. And he's coming in one of the worst time periods of ever where, you right. know, where his kingdom is just full of evil and he changes it around. And you look at the world today, there's a lot of evil things going around, but sometimes we don't think that we have the influence that we can. But if we right. can get back to the Bible and, you know, live our lives in a godly way, we can have just as much influence as Josiah had.
3: Right right
0: I mean that it's true and I think it's it sounds so great but how can we do that realistically how can we stand us stand apart from everything that's going on and be like real because it's not easy when everything around you when the TV shows that we see everything on social media when the people that we are at work with the people we play sports with in the middle of the week, like when everything around us is going a certain way, how can we get out of that and literally go the other way? Um, recently i shared this, but I, I said that we live in a time where everyone, you see this all the time, like the memes and inspirational quotes on social media, but they all say, be different, stand out, do something, whatever. But everyone is being that same different. So how can we be Josiah?
2: I think it's important to just, um, even though it is extremely difficult, trying as much as we possibly can to keep our eyes on the Lord and also try to see who are the people around us that will enhance our spiritual relationship with God. I mean, you have a lot of people in the Bible that they struggled a lot. One, One that comes to mind is Elijah. Elijah was by himself. He was very depressed at one point. But at the end of the day, he was granted access into heaven. It's it's difficult for us to, to see the light at the end of the tunnel. But we should know that regardless of whatever situation we go through in life, if we maintain a relationship with God and we keep our eyes on Christ, we will have an everlasting life where there is no negativity at all and we won't even remember the negativity when once we are there. So I think that's the that's one way that we can at least try to avoid all of that.
0: Okay, so that that is one way surrounding us with people that enhance our growth, which is really good and I and I fully believe that. I think that um in Spanish, I know in Colombia at least, there's a saying that says Dime con quien andas y te, te quién eres. Tell me who you're with and I'll tell you who you are. And um That's that's very important to surround ourselves with those kind of people. However, we are called to step out of our comfort zone, Mm -hmm. step out Mm -hmm. of that, you know, circle of those people that, you know, do um, help us become stronger in our faith and reach out. I know I'm I'm like getting so technical in this question
3: right now, but I really... Well, I just, I don't think that there's a checklist of check. If I do this, then I've been able to stand out and hold my own. Mm. I think the only thing we can possibly do is what everybody else in the Bible has done and have a relationship with God. For example, Joseph was able to run away from Potiphar's wife because he had more love for God than money and riches and this beautiful woman who was in front of him. Moses was also able to do what he did because of his relationship with God. Esther did what she did because of her love for God. Um, Ruth left, you know, decided to continue on with her mother-in-law, even though she didn't have to because she saw something different in her. So none of these people, like, had this checklist of, this is what I'm going to do so that I can, you know, live my life this way except for god falling in love with god yeah Mm -hmm. yeah
0: it's true okay let's go to our next question that i mean that answered all the questions um how did discovering the book of law and the renovation of the temple help the spiritual life of the people Mm -hmm. during josiah's reign
1: i think finding the uh book of the law was kind of an eye-opening experience for them Um, when josiah Heard it and had it read back to him. I mean, he uh, tore his clothes basically, and was kind of like, "Hey, you know, we need to be following this. We have not been doing what we should be doing, and it kind of showed them that, hey, you know, even though things are bad or have been bad, and we started making a change, there's still more to do. So I think it was kind of like a spiritual pick-me-up in a way. It kind of may be like a um, like an initial hit. It's kind of like, oh, wow." we're not doing what we should be doing, but at the same time, it helps them to turn around and actually embrace that instead of seeing it as something negative.
0: What can our, like, how can we find that law per se? Like, there has to be something that we could look at or look towards and be like, oh, this is going to kind of revive our spirits in Christ. I think that fellowship, um, going back to, what we were talking about earlier, surrounding ourselves with those people that will lay down the law for us and tell us what we're doing wrong and we're doing right. Mm -hmm. I think that for us at the end of the day, kind of like a slap in the face, like get back into into (laughs) shape with what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, To kind of close off, what was the main thing that you gathered from this lesson? Like what was the most important thing to you about Josiah and his reign? or even Manasseh's in his reign, if you learned something from that.
1: Well, for Josiah, I would say that um, when he reigned and he found the book of law and you know, was told to him that you know, even though you have reformed, destruction is still coming to your kingdom. And even with that destruction, I think you, even when you have that relationship with Christ, it gives you something to hold on to and say, okay, I know bad things are coming, but with God, I can make it through it. Amen.
2: I think more than anything else, uh, what I learned was that it's just every, everybody is completely different. Your actions are not genetic. They, they don't pass down mm. you know, mm. to you. Reach. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, and not only that, but it, it also just made me um, kind of emphasize the point that God can use absolutely anybody mm-hmm. to, to, to teach people. I mean, he used uh, a kid who started off being a, uh, a king at eight years old to, you know, then teach everybody what they were supposed to be doing all along. Mm-hmm. So I think that was the most important part.
3: Amen. Um, I think there were three things that stood out to me. One, salvation is individual. Two, God always forgives if you're willing to ask for forgiveness. And three, um, there are consequences for everything that you do, good or bad.
0: Thank you so much for being guest on the show and for that great conclusion, Elena. If you would like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbatschoolu.org. That's www.sabbatschool, u.org. Remember. The goal of the Bible study is information and transformation. It's for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School, you, I'm Kathy Britton.